Hi there, this is Cheryl, and I'm here with the Walk of Life, Passion, Purpose, and People. And today I have my special guest, Christine Bowen. And did I say it right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, good. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about her chapter today in the book, Disrupting the Status Quo. So welcome to the podcast, Christine. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for the invitation. I really do appreciate it. Oh, we're glad to have you all the way from Houston, Texas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to jump right in to your chapter, if that's okay. That's fine. And uh, it started out, I have my little notes here with a conversation <laughs> about your family. Mm -hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. My chapter. It truly is something that a lot of people don't realize children go through and how vulnerable kids can be. Um, we often think that kids aren't around and believe me, they're around and they're listening. And so during this time, I, my two aunts were actually in the kitchen talking. They had been talking before I had got home from school. I was around 14 years old. And when I came up, they didn't know I was there and they were discussing me, but not in a positive manner. They were basically saying that I wasn't going to amount to anything and I, I may not even graduate high school. They were just saying some things that I, that I just never thought would come out of the mouth of people who say they love you. And that's where your chapter title came in. Mm-hmm. Really? That's what you thought. <laughs> I was going to say it, but nobody says it better than you. <laughs> and that changed your trajectory into your life, I'm certain. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. After the hurt, after, you know, um, thinking like, wow, what is so bad about me? You know, and I say that because during my lifetime, uh, just to help you understand why that hurt me so bad, my mother gave me a way uh, to be raised by another family when I was only two weeks old. And so when you have someone who is already going through rejection or abandonment and things of that nature, you cling to those who you think love you, who you think you can trust. Mm -hmm. And so when that actually happened to me and I could hear them speak about me, it was almost, I wanted to deny it, but I couldn't deny it. It, they were right there. And so I had to digest that being that young. And after I digested, then I got to a place where no, that does not define who I am. That, that doesn't define who I am. And I was going to make them out to be a lie. So how old were you? Around 14 years old. 14 years old. Yeah. That's an impressionable age for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think everything under 25 is impressionable now <laughs> as I'm hearing everybody's stories. I'm like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, that is, that is a definite turning point. You're going through all your hormonal changes and, oh. and, and emotions are flying. Mm -hmm. So I have here, you say the word no does not fit you, nor does it stop you. That's right. Keep and moving until you get a yes. Yes, yes. And that even applies to me today. Um, if you've ever worked in sales, if you've ever just wanted something so bad to the, to the fact that you were not going to give up, you were going to be tenacious about that thing. You were going to fight 
for what you wanted. And that's where I am even today. Even then, I was going to fight to make them see that that was not who I was. And so, you know, um, I, I say that so that people don't give up. Don't allow negativity to hinder you or to keep you from moving forward in the things that you want to do in your life. Mm -hmm. People can say what they want to, but it's you who has to take the action. It's either you're going to do what you are called to do, or you're going to go ahead and give them what they're actually thinking that, that you're worth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you made another comment about your family, not having your back, so you have to count on yourself. That's right. You know? That's right. And that's, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate, but a lot of times those closest to you are the ones who will hurt you. Well, sure, because you don't care. Otherwise, they don't, their opinions don't matter. But when they are close and they are family, you mm -hmm. know, it, it does go straight to your heart. Yes. And, and you have here, you use that pain to catapult you into destiny. Mm -hmm. And you never know what's inside you until you have to fight your way through. How can you talk to us about that today? I've had many fights. I've had many fights and I've had different things to happen to me in my life. This particular situation, I had to, to go through um, just knowing how I had to grow up, knowing what took place when I was a kid and then going through this particular situation. I had to fight to get to what I wanted. I could not give up. I couldn't get in the ring and not throw a punch. Okay. And so this catapulted me to where I am even today as a breast cancer survivor, because when you get a diagnosis, that doesn't necessarily define who you are. You have to make a choice. Are you going to fight or are you going to give up in the process of what they say that you have? And so I fought then I'm cancer free since 2010. I refuse to believe anything else. And even then I refuse to believe that I couldn't be somebody that I wasn't worth um, having a, a company or being a director or going and getting my master's degree, now working on my doctoral degree. I could not allow the negativity to suffocate me to where I could not be living on purpose. Wow, that's very powerful. I know you have a story in you that you can't wait to share with us. If you want to be a featured guest on the Walk of Life podcast, just go to the show notes and we will get back to you. And next in life, I have you got accepted into a radiology program, but you had a $200 dilemma. Yes. Oh, my God. So I was the only black that was actually accepted during that school year into that program. And a few of the people that actually um, applied with me were some of my, um, my former classmates. And they really were bullies. They gave me hell while I was in school. Let me just say that. And I had to go before not only them to, to go to interview I had to see them there before I interviewed. So can you imagine the fear that tried to 
cripple me and then hearing some of what they used to say about me. And then you're hearing what your aunt said about you and things of that nature. So I had to get myself together in order to go through and go before the board to interview for a position. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the questions that they asked and me answering each question to the best of my ability and making it actually getting past the interview, getting the acceptance letter. And then there's $200 that I need to go forward. And I couldn't get it. I couldn't get the $200. My mom at the time couldn't raise the $200. Uh, I even tried working and just couldn't do it. Couldn't get the $200. So I never made it into the school. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then you had a tragedy happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And my um, dad at the time who was raising me died. And so from that point on, I was trying to help mom take care of home, take care of bills while I was still in high school. So any money that we got in went toward just living, just being able to survive. How many were there in your family at that time? At that time, it was her and I that was in the household. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's still expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mom was a housekeeper. So she literally cleaned houses. It was two particular houses that she cleaned. One was a lawyer and the other was a doctor. Uh, My blessing in that was that the doctor paid for me to go to school. He literally told my mom, I will pay her tuition. I went to Catholic schools from grade, from third grade up to uh, finishing high school. And um, they just paid for my whole my whole education. Wow. Isn't that fabulous? Mm-hmm. Pay it forward, right? Exactly. That's beautiful. You have here, we settle for what we think we need instead of living with purpose. That's right. Let's talk about that. Cause that's important. I think that's phenomenal. Too often we just settle. Mm-hmm. We just settle. I'm okay with making $5 an hour. I'm okay with just working, you know, three days a week. I'm okay. It's okay. It's, it's, is paying the bills. You know, we settle. We even settle in love. Uh, there's abuse there, but we don't want to acknowledge it. So we settle. We don't think that we can do better or even if we're worth better, we're worth more. Uh, we have a tendency to just settle. We've got to stop settling and start moving and living on purpose because there is purpose instilled in each one of us. We have a purpose. You have a desire an artist, you say you're 50, you're still alive, go be an artist, go take a class. There's free classes now. You know, there we, we're out of excuses, Cheryl, as to why we can't live, why we can't live with purpose, why we can't be happy. Because some of us are living, but we're not actually living. Yes. We're living to survive. We're living for other people. We're living to, you know, feed our families, whatever, but you're not living. You're not being able to enjoy life. And that's where I am now. Yeah. You're existing through it and just putting up with what cards you're dealt instead of dealing them yourself. Yes. You know, you just put up with it and and you're right. There's no excuse anymore. Everything's at hand's reach Mm -hmm. for whatever you need. You know, um, money can be made easier now than ever before. Oh my God. Yes. You know, and education, like you said, 
go on the internet. There's mm-hmm. downloads everywhere. So you're you're a hundred percent right. It's it's here. It's a choice. It's the choice we make more so than the, the means at hand, literally. Yes. That. So I want you to tell a great story about being 29 years old and um, the U.S. Navy and that ASBAB test you took, because I think that's going to be funny. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, so my ex-husband at the time was about to retire out of the Navy. And I said, you know what? We were in Virginia. And I said, I can go take this test. You know, let me go take the test. And so I went to the recruiter station. There was a chief. And I had told him what I wanted to do. And, you know, I had already applied to go to Norfolk State University. They had accepted me. Now, in my mind, I was going to go to law school on the military and go JAG to give time back to them, which means I would have been a military lawyer. So I go to take the test. He says, oh, I'm going to go ahead and give you this practice test. We're going to see how you do. Just take the practice test. You'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, practice test, I can do that. So in my mind, I'm just taking the practice test. And yes, it's still time, but it's a practice test. That's right. When I got done taking the test, he looked at me, he said, well, way to go. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. He said, yes. <laughs> he said, you actually passed the test. I said, oh, well, that's great. He said, no, you, you passed the test. <laughs> I said, this was a real test? He said, yes, it's a real test. He said, you only missed being the back pilot of the jet because you turned 29 years old. I said, excuse me, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about a plane other than banking left, banking right, 350 degrees, 375 degrees, not me being the wingman, okay? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh my God, uh, okay. And so he had listed me under Intel, which would have been great for today because we're talking cyber security and all of that, that's Intel. And that just piqued my interest being interested in law. And so um, I'm like, I'm an officer. I, I, I bypassed being, you know, a grunt. I get to be an officer. He says, oh, yeah, you're going to wear khakis. And da, 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 da. I was like, oh, my God, that's the best. <laughs> but I didn't even know it was the test. <laughs> that's such a funny story. It's great that you didn't know or you would have been stressed. It was just for practice. So, you're, you know, your stress level was way down. Yes. So you didn't want to do that. It wasn't that I didn't want to. My ex-husband got upset and got jealous and decided that he wanted to just leave me and the children in Virginia where I would not be able to go into the military. I see. Yes. That was another. Okay. Here we go. You know, someone who's supposed to love you got your back and you're thinking these is this is something we could do together because you're retiring and now I can go in and we can supplement and I'm thinking of all this family things that we can do and how great we can make it and selfishness and pride stepped in and before I knew it he had packed up the car and drove off and left me and the kids right there in nice little Virginia. Wow. Yep. Wow. So once again, starting over, starting over, but not quitting. Now you have children. Exactly. And and I'm not going to sit here and act like I wasn't crushed because I was. Yeah. Uh, Even suicide crossed my mind, you know, transparency moment. I'm here in Virginia, no family, no friends, no car. And I have children 
and they're looking job? at me. Did, and, you have, did you have a job? Yes, I had a job at the time. Okay. And okay. it was like, what are you going to do though? Because now you have to try to get to a job that you have no car to. You have to try to get the kids to daycare. You have no car. Um, and then all of the bad starts to crumble back at you. It's like everything that has ever happened horrible in your life happens to just show right back up during these times in our lives mm -hmm. to make us feel like we don't have any hope. Mm -hmm. And so I was too chicken to cut my wrist. <laughs> and there was no pills in the house. So, and I don't even like taking medicine. So I just said, I can't even do that right, Cheryl. I can't even kill myself right. Thank you God. Know. Oh my God. You know, and I'm thinking, ah. So at that point, I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to have a pity party and I'm just going to buy my time. So what I wound up doing about a month or so later, I, I just went ahead and left and went to where he was, which is in Chicago. And then started just going back to school, doing little things and getting myself prepared just in case that something happened again. And it did. But I was able to stand on my own two feet. I had gone back to school, started, you know, uh, a great job working for TAP Pharmaceuticals and, you know, just was blessed to get into positions without at that time having a degree. But I also had women who were very mentoring uh, mm -hmm. The VP, the only female VP in that company took me under her wing. And let me tell you, she was, she was tough, but she was right. And um, to this day, she is still the same type of woman, same, same mentality. She may not be working, you know, for the pharmaceutical company right now, but she is doing her own thing and something similar to what you and I are doing. So, you know, we have to continue to live and continue to have that purpose and that drive that yeah. no matter what happens in life, we can still strive for perfection. We can still desire those things and go after them. There's no reason why we can't. Yeah, yeah. So how old were your kids at that time when he left the first time? They were really young. I wanna say five, nine and 13. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's a tough one for sure. But since then, you've gone off and now you have a doctoral degree. Yes, indeed. I will be finished with that in probably about another couple of months. Wow. Yay. Well, Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what, you is know, that in? What, what is that in your degree? Theology. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Have you found that difficult or is it so interesting and it's difficult and it's interesting. I was attending Liberty University. And I was looking to get my MDiv at the time. So I was doing biblical studies. So all I did was just trying to transfer it over to, uh, excuse me, transferred it over to my doctoral degree. Um, it's, it's interesting because my husband and I are pastors. Um, and outside of that, I still work in education, higher education. I work for the University of St. Thomas. And so I'm also an adjunct professor. So I believe in education. I believe in always learning, being a lifelong learner. Yeah. We cannot stop learning. And if anything taught us that, it was the pandemic. Because okay. you just, you know, and uh, technology and things of that nature, we had to go beyond our comfort zones to start learning on how to operate during the pandemic and now after the pandemic. Yeah. And so um, I'm a lifelong learner. I probably will always be. 
and that's so good because when you're not learning you're stagnating and and i'm in the exactly the same way and think the quote in one of my books is uh live like you'll die today but learn like you never will Mm -hmm. oh i love that i love that yeah yeah so just keep on learning so you are a three-time author yes um this is my second anthology this book right here. Um, and then uh, my husband and I also wrote a book regarding the church, Friendly Fire, Casualty of War in the Church. Oh, that was wow. our last one before this one. Um, I'm also, uh, I wrote a book on my survival during uh, breast cancer. And I give that book away more than I sell it. Because mm-hmm. anyone who tells me they've been diagnosed, I send them that book. Mm-hmm. I, I will send them that book. Good and Yes, and bling, knowing about our faith, our blind faith. And I will share this on your show today. Okay. And I was blessed to be able to start my own publishing company. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> That's not a small feat. When God had told me this, believe me, people, when he said in 2015, this is what you I wanted you to do, I'm like, mm-mm. I don't see myself. And at the time, I didn't see myself doing that. Sure, I, I, me, I'm just now starting to write. I can't <laughs> see that. And surely, I have begun to write so much. He said, "Now go back and do what I told you to do." And I said, "Yes, sir." And he gave me the name. <laughs> he woke me up early that following morning, gave me the name Kingdom Publishing Services to be able to assist those who want to write, but may not know how, where to begin, to help those to tell their stories, which is really a testimony to help others. Um, And not to a point that you're just trying to, it's not, if I can say this, it's not about making money, Cheryl. Yeah. But it's about helping someone know that they can do it. Yeah, I agree. They too can do it. Yes, And, and, and it truly is. You know, when my belief is when you do help people, the money just comes. Yeah. It just comes. You know, when when you're giving from your heart and you're actually helping people, you know, succeed in in what they are doing, you're going to be blessed. So that's just, that's my belief. And and it's worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's my belief as well. Get Get the people's stories out. Yes. Uh, so you also um, are the CEO of Real Talk Just for Women. Yes. And Living on Purpose Broadcast. Can you tell us about that? I started with Real Talk Just for Women. Real Talk. What we go through in life, how our stories truly matter to someone else. And I've had several women to come on the broadcast to give their testimonies, whether it was alcohol, drug abuse, uh, prostitution, molestation, whatever they had gone through, but how they got over, how they overcame, how they're living now. And so for a while, I was told by the Lord to kind of back up a little bit. I'm restructuring. I said, okay. So I, I kind of put it on a hiatus a little bit. And so then he brought forth living on purpose for people to begin to live on, meaning continual, no matter what you go through, purpose. You have purpose. You have desire. You have a drive. You've got to continue living on purpose. So no matter what we go through, we have to decide how are we living? How are we going to live? 
And then what legacy will we be living be- leaving behind? Right. So I've had this question posed to me and I've posed it several times is how do you know what your purpose is? How do you find your purpose? Because that's a difficult thing. It is. It's very difficult. I'm living my purpose by the writings that I'm doing. I never saw myself as an author. I, I didn't even like writing papers in class. Let's just be honest. You know, you got two or three pages you got to write and you're like, I don't want to write this paper. But when I began to write what's in my heart, when I begin to write what is downloaded in me to write, I can't stop writing. And then when you see what you created, you, you now know you're living. This is your purpose. And when somebody can read your story, just like you're you done, and there's something that touches them, that's purpose. Because it means more than just you. It's purposeful. What is it doing for someone else? How is it impacting someone else's life in what you're doing? Uh, my daughter works for Herman Memorial. She is a laboratory tech. So I'm, I'm telling you this story because she's living on purpose. Her purpose is doing that job. And she has lupus. But she will go to that job 10 hours a day, seven days a week, because that's her purpose. Her purpose is to help somebody else. Her purpose is to make sure that somebody's lab results is done correctly. She knows how the blood is supposed to look in the tubes. And when it doesn't look the right way, she'll take it and send it back. She won't just run it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She's there for purpose. And so she will stand up for what is right, and she will stand up for what is wrong. And this is where we are today. I'm living on purpose by writing and now helping others to be able to tell their stories, which will allow them to heal. Writing heals. Letting go heals. Yeah. And in the, in the process of scribing, we let go and we heal. That's beautiful. You have made uh, some quotes that have just popped up in my head and I want to share them now because I absolutely love them and I actually I'm going to print them out and put them on my fridge and I'll have you know the only thing on my fridge is a little tiny coupon that says I'm entitled to endless hugs forever from my granddaughter (laughs) so you have said live past their past and love beyond love and those I said when I read your chapter I I read them And I sat back and went, wow, that's something my little brother would say. That's profound to me. And, and, you know, live past your past, like just so, so simply said, but so deep, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and love beyond love. Like, I I just can't tell me how you came to that. Cause that just blows my mind. (laughs) When you can forgive and see a person as a soul, you can love beyond love. Mm. We talk about that agape love. We sometimes wonder how someone can go into a courtroom, tell the person who just shot their child, their husband to death, ran over them, drunk driver, and be able to tell them, I forgive you and I still love you. That's love beyond love. That is a love that takes self out of the equation. 
And now you can look at that person and you can genuinely show them the love of Christ through you. So no matter what someone has done, what they may have said, that's my signature, literally love beyond love. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I, I am really going to put it on my fridge because <laughs> it just went straight to my heart. Both of those, both of those did, because, you know, we all like live past your past. We all want to drag that ball and chain around with us and use it for whatever we can to whatever we can. I mean, I can go into hundreds of examples, but I won't because we know what they are. <laughs> right. But it's just to say, you know, get over it, move on, you know, and, yeah. and just, I, I, I love that. And so I'm going to steal those. I'm telling you, <laughs> I am. They're sure. going on my fridge. <laughs> Anytime. Sure. <laughs> um, you're also an advocate for those who don't have a voice and speaking out for injustice against children. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. As a young child, very young child, starting at three years old, I was molested by an older cousin. Ooh. And so what happens when you get to be nine years old, this thing is still going on. And now you're at an age where, okay, I'm tired. And I just remember the last time that he tried to molest me, I jumped and ran out of the car. Um, ran up the hill, jumped up the stairs. I don't even remember touching the porch of the house and opening up the door and running in and telling mom what happened, what went on. And all I remember her saying was, Shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell daddy Frank because he'll kill him. That was it. That was all. And I still had to have dinner with him. I still had to have Christmas with him. I still had to have Thanksgiving with him and sit across the table from the one who victimized me because nobody wanted to tell the family secret. Nobody wanted to, you know, tell what took place. They were too ashamed. And so being a child, now I have to live with the shame. I have to live with no one having my back. I have to live with, I can't even go to counseling. I have to live with seeing him smile to my, my favorite cousin. And, you know, he would even salivate. He was just sick. He was sick. He would salivate. Mm -hmm. And I had to live with that. And so when you feel alone, and basically you are alone in something like that. Yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, and yet I was able to get to a place. He had already died of a brain tumor. My mom had called me before he was dying. And she asked me to come home and, you know, he asked for me. And I was still, you know, I was an adult, but I was still angry. I, I was still hurting. I was like, no, how could you even call me and ask me to do something like that? About a month or so later, I went into prayer and I asked God to forgive me. I asked God to forgive me for not going, maybe giving him a, his last chance to ask for forgiveness. And then to ask God to heal me because I needed to be healed. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, you know, I never went back into that dark place and I began to understand what real love really means. Okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that somebody's not going to hurt you, right. but what it really means is how can you get past it? 
And will you be able to still show love and kindness and care to someone who may have lost their way? So that that is where that actually came from. Wow, that's deep. So that's love beyond love. Have you read Maya Angelou's book, The Caged Bird Sings? <laughs> That story reminds me of that. So um, you also are mental health awareness in the community. So I'm sure that goes hand in hand with what you're just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. And, and the church has to be ready. We have to be prepared. It's mind, body and soul. We can preach, we can minister, we can pray. But until we actually take care of the entire person, have resources for the entire person. Understand that we have real issues. You know, um, we all have something that we're going through or have something that has happened to us. And we need to have resources available to the people who are going through mental illness, abuse, drug abuse, whatever it is. And they're just layers, they're layers to what's really going on in the inside of someone, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and so we have to dig a little deeper. Yeah. And there it lies part and parcel with finding your voice because a lot of children are told, don't talk about this. Where do you go? Who do you turn to? How do you find help when, when your family who you should be able to go to is saying, Shh, you That's know, right. And so that's just beautiful that you've, you've opened that up because I'm sure there's, you've seen a lot of growth in children and people and, and change. And that's such a blessing to your soul. You know, I I can feel that you, you say, fight the lie that lives inside you and keeps you from fulfilling your goals, dreams, and desires. Mm -hmm. So I know you have more to say on that one. (laughs) (laughs) All the negativity that has been spoken over you, that you've heard, that's been told to you is a lie. It's a lie. And and we hold on to those things. And so sometimes our minds can be like a recorder and plays it back. Every time we go to do something, what do you mean? Why why are you filling out that paperwork for a loan? You know you're not going to get a loan. But you haven't even filled it out yet. And you're already telling yourself something that is not true. It's not true. We have to understand that the the things that we've gone through, the people in our lives have caused us to have an effect to where we're not effective in living, okay? We, We think that we can at one point and then all of a sudden we regress and we don't go through with what we wanna go through with. Just something as simple as going to school. Okay, so I got my GED. I, I've heard this throughout my whole time of being in higher education. I just got a GED. Yes, but you you received something. Okay, you went forth and you fought for it. You could not have, but you did it. So let's go forward. A GED will still get you into college. So there's nothing stopping you from becoming a PhD, getting your doctoral, whatever it is that you want to do with your GED. Mm-hmm. It's those who stop and just stay there and stay stuck. And they say, that's it. I can't get any more. I can't go no further. I'm that one. I'm that advocate and say, yes, you can. And I will help you along the way. You know, showing people how they can and why they can. There's greatness in you. You just have to believe that there's greatness in you. Mm -hmm. And once you replace the lie with the truth, 
because the Bible says as man uh, thinketh, so is he. If I think negative, I'm negative. But if I think positive, then I'm positive. And so even if someone says no, there's 20 yeses somewhere. There's 20 more yeses somewhere to that one no. You just got to keep fighting. You got to keep digging and you've got to not believe the lie within because we stop ourselves from living, from moving forward, for having the big house or having the big car, from having our own companies and jobs and things that you're, the job that you dream of, you think is out of reach for you because you don't have a degree. I just explained, I literally was a director of admissions without a degree. Mm -hmm. I was a, a manager in sales training for a top pharmaceutical company without a degree. Grace upon grace. I applied, I interviewed, and was accepted. So yeah. we just have to put in the work by faith, I believe. Yeah, it's it's true. And and that's how things happen, you know faith and believe right time right place if it's meant for you it's meant for you you know and and now look at you you've got your master's degree in human service counseling for marriage and families which is very apparent by how you speak <laughs> and you're working on your doctoral so next time we talk I think I'll have to call you doctor <laughs> So that'll be totally exciting. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. Yes, indeed. And my husband and I are actually doing it together. Oh, wow. So what will your plans be then when you when you both have graduated? Are you going to be opening like a, a parish or, or what will you do? Well, we actually have our church mm -hmm. um, and we're partnering with the college that we're actually attending. So we are helping others to get their degrees, wow. starting from an associate's degree all the way up to a doctoral degree, if that's what they choose. So again, people have been told that they can't, and we're saying, yes, you can. Yes, absolutely, you can. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The only thing you can't do is touch that hot stove element. Well, you can, but you're going to learn. <laughs> that's when we say no. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know what? You, doctor-to-be, Christine Bowen, are a fabulous woman. I have so enjoyed this conversation with you, and I would love to have you back on the show if you so want to come and, and talk later on, you know, once you're all graduated and, and, you know, if you and your husband want to come on together and say how, how you did it together, that's just fabulous. And I'm, I'm just really blessed to know you, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just love how God puts people together. I believe in divine connections and I truly thank God for you and, you know, the, the relationship that we, we can build on. I thank God for that. Well, we haven't met yet physically, but I hope through this book, we will someday and even throughout the book, who knows, we'll, you know, it's meant to be, we'll find each other somewhere. So that's right. Not we've got technology to bring that you know, to us today. Is there anything else you want to leave? Um, you want to say we're closing down. So are you <laughs> wanting to share anything else? Be a disruptor. Awesome. Be a disruptor <laughs> of the status quo. People have status you and just disrupt the whole package and do something different. Begin to live. Start to live again because you deserve it. 
That was beautiful. You are profound. You know, my little brother's passed on, but I can tell you, he would have loved to have sat and talked to you for hours. <laughs> I could just hear the conversations you people would be having. That's just awesome. <laughs> How can we find you? I am on Facebook, Carlton and Christine Bowen, also Christine J. Bowen. <laughs> you can email me at christinebowen79 at gmail.com or also real talk just for women at seven at uh, gmail.com perfect and we're also going to um on my on my misscheryl.com website we'll be hosting this book and i'll have all your contact information there as well if people didn't get all of that so <laughs> once again thank you so much for for attending with me today this has just been a a heartwarming chat and I really appreciate your words of wisdom and and kindness and just you speak from love from your heart I can feel that through the airwaves so it's just been beautiful well I thank you again thank you thank you so once again this is Cheryl signing off from the walk of life and in the words of my little brother bye for now <laughs>